All right, welcome to Keith Heights Baptist Church, and uh, we had a little slight problem with Sermon.net this morning. They had so many people tuning in that it crashed the system. So if you're trying to watch us on our uh, website, uh, it probably did not pick up the Sunday School Hour, but you can catch that on our Facebook page. Are we doing good today? All right, so we got Sermon.net and our website going today. And I know many of you are at home watching live. We've got a few people here in the auditorium. And uh, so we're going to do just like a regular church service. We're going to sing and everything. And I know you may not have your hymnal in front of you, but we'll uh, hum along with us, all right? We're going to start on page 483, uh, Oh, How I Love Jesus. I tried to get some of the men in the auditorium to sing with uh, specials today, but uh, they'll have to save that for another time, I think. So, all right, number 483, Oh, How I Love Jesus Because He First Loved Me. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. It tells me what my Father hath in store for every day. And though I tread a darksome path, yield sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. Amen. Sure is a great time to be here this morning. And I know many of you are at home. And I called my mom this morning. They were having uh, streaming services down there. And I said, did you get up and get ready for church and fix your hair and do all your makeup? She said, no. She said, my hair is in curlers and I'm sitting here in my recliner eating a bowl of cereal. And I was like, well, that's no way to attend church. So, But anyway, I hope you're enjoying uh, the time that we spend together here at church today. And I'm glad we have the technology. I'm glad we live in a day where when something like this happens, we're still able to come and bring God's Word to you and be an encouragement to you. Be in prayer for several folks. We've got Brother Bob Schwabert we're continuing to pray for and uh, the family there uh, on hospice care. And so pray for him, if you will. Also, Miss June Bolin, I uh, talked with her by phone today, uh, this week and uh, not doing real well. She's struggling with some of the treatments and it just really takes a lot out of her. She's very, very tired and um, not doing real well. So continue to pray for her, if you will. Also for Laverne Payne, who's recovering from uh, her uh, hip surgery and some other issues that she had where she had to go into the hospital. So pray for her, if you will. Uh, also continue to pray for Linda Craig, who is uh, doing better but still needs uh, some help with the doctors and recovery there 
and uh, pray that God will give His protective hand. Some of our folks um, that have uh, susceptibility, their immune systems are very low, <coughs> and so pray that God will bless there. And uh, I do have a cough in case you're watching this morning, uh, but I've had it for about a year and a half, and it's uh, something that is not related to the coronavirus, I'm certain. So uh, bear with us on that. Uh, anyway, so a lot to be in prayer about. Uh, if you have your calendars handy and you see that we had changed our uh, time for the senior citizen meal uh, a couple times because it didn't fit our schedule, uh, we're probably going to have to postpone it again because obviously uh, a lot of these places are not open. So uh, if you were planning on going on the senior citizen meal with us, uh, we are not going to be doing that in uh, this month of March. We may uh, be able to do it later in April perhaps. And so uh, make that mark on your calendar. We also had a men and boys camp out scheduled for March the 7th, or I'm sorry, April the uh, 11th, uh, 10th and 11th, and uh, that will probably also have to be moved. So we'll see how things go, uh, but keep uh, in tune on that, and we'll keep you updated. Other than that, I believe that's about all the announcements. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on the service this morning. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here, and Lord, as we have prayed already this morning for many of our folks that are in harm's way with regards to their health and with the virus that's going around, I pray that you would keep them protected and safe and strengthen their bodies, Lord, that you'd give them recovery and strength for the ability to not be susceptible to this thing. And then, Lord, for Brother Bob and his family, as he's under the hospice care and looking forward to going home with you, I pray that you will give grace and comfort where it's needed. And then, Father, you, that you would uh, uh, bless those that uh, are uh, struggling with some physical ailments. We think of Miss Linda Craig this morning and Brother Everett. Uh, we think of Sarah Harris uh, this morning and uh, others that uh, physically are struggling. My sister down in Florida uh, still waiting to hear some results for some things uh, down there. And so, Lord, just so many things that we have to be in prayer about, and yet, Lord, so many things also to be thankful of. And so we pray that you'll bless uh, this service and the time that we spend here together, that those that are listening by way of live stream and those that are here in the service would be uh, helped and blessed by the preaching and teaching of your word, the singing of the songs that will encourage our hearts in the time of fellowship together. We pray that you'll bless all that we say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number 492, number 492, Jesus loves even me. And I'm thankful that uh, he loved us before we ever loved him, aren't you? And uh, if that had not been the case, we'd still be here without a Savior. So I'm thankful that Jesus loved me even before I loved him. So number 492, we'll sing all three verses. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of His love in the book He has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget Him and wander away, still He doth love me wherever I stray. Back to His dear loving arms would I flee, 
when I remember that Jesus loves me, I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in His beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Amen. And then uh, let's do uh, 475 today. Number 475, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. <coughs> and uh, y'all can remain seated in your recliners as we sing all four verses uh, this morning. Number 475. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of Him all the day long. I sing, for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I know I shall see in His beauty the King in whose law I delight. Who lovingly guardeth my footsteps And giveth me songs in the night Redeemed, redeemed Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed, redeemed His child and forever I am Alright, thank you. And Miss Carmen, thank you for playing this morning on the piano And letting us have some music that's a lot better than a cappella, I think and uh, I'll tell you, I enjoy singing the old hymns, don't you? And uh, the last one we just sang was written by Fanny J. Crosby, and she's one of my favorite hymn writers. And uh, she pins these words, and I love the second verse. She says, Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. Well, I'll tell you what, I think we ought to be enraptured with the idea that God has saved us. She says, I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. It doesn't matter. We talked a few weeks ago uh, in Psalm 23 at the nursing home. And uh, it doesn't matter if we are going through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible says, Thou art with me. 
And I don't, I don't care how bad things may get with coronavirus or, or the stock market or political things that are going on in the world. Can I tell you this? God is still with His children. And I'll tell you, it's good to be saved this morning. And uh, I told some folks in Sunday school, uh, we don't have any cause to be worried. Uh, we want to take precautions. We want to be careful and not spread it to others. And we want to be careful not to get it ourselves. But there's no reason for a Christian to be worried at all. God's got everything in control. And uh, certainly we look forward to the worst thing that could happen when we go to heaven. And how's that a bad thing? And uh, I tell you, I say that's the worst thing. That'd be the best thing probably that happened to us. And... Uh, Go to heaven. And then I'll tell you, uh, we think of those thoughts sometimes, and we think, boy, how sad it would be to go ahead and leave this world. But, boy, the joy that is set before us. The Bible says that my eye hath not seen, and ear hath not heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath in store for them that love him. And uh, I don't know about you all, but the older I get, the more I look forward to heaven. And uh, excited about getting there. I'm thankful that. We get that uh, wonderful thing. You know, the thing that I probably look forward to more than anything about going to heaven is to see, for the first time, my Savior's face. I love Him, but I've never seen Him. And uh, I know one day that when I get there, I'll see some nail marks in His hands and His feet. And uh, the price the weight of what it took to save my soul will become more real to me in that moment than it ever has been. And uh, if you're tuned in this morning and you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, can I tell you this? God sure does love you. He loves you so much that even when we were already dead in our trespasses and sin, even though we were already under condemnation, God made a way. God didn't come to condemn us. The Bible says that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give us a way of escape. The great news of the gospel story is, is that God came to save us, to get us out of this thing that we got ourselves into. And I think so many people look at God and they think that He's some big bully or restrictive guy up in heaven somewhere making all these laws and rules. No, no. He came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. He came to give us freedom. I was reading, it's not the message this morning, but I was reading in Romans this week and for some personal reading. And we're going to be, by the way, if you want to take your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7. But I want to share, I just in, in just some personal reading this week, I, there's some things that were a blessing to me. I came into uh, Romans chapter number 5, and uh, I'll tell you, if you've never sat and read through the book of Romans in one sitting, or sit and read at length. And I'll tell you, with, uh, with everybody being quarantined, uh, we got plenty of time to read. <laughs> I've probably done more reading this past week than I've done in the past month, and uh, have enjoyed it. But I got to chapter 5. Paul writes, Therefore, being justified... By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that word justified means that God looks at me, and when He looks at me, He sees innocence. It's just as if I'd never sinned. It's, it's God putting His record over top of mine. And I'm so thankful that we have a Savior that washes us from our sin, 
covers us with His own blood. And He stands as an advocate to us before the Father. And when that great accuser comes and talks to God about all the things that I fail in, Jesus just steps forward and says, I already paid for that. You can put that on my account. That's the kind of Savior we have. If you're here this morning and you're listening this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I tell you, there's not a person in this world that's ever loved you as much as He loved you. There's not a person in this world that's ever done more for you than He's done for you. And all He asks is that you put your faith and your trust in Him. I don't know why anybody would ever reject God, but it's amazing how many people do. When you hear what He wants to do for you, and He doesn't, he doesn't put a big demand on it. He doesn't put a high price on it. He just simply says, I want you to have faith in it. I read that, and I thought, boy, what a great, great thing. Then I went over to Romans, made it over to Romans chapter number 8, and I read through that wonderful chapter, Romans 6. Boy, I loved reading through that and got to the end of uh, Romans chapter 6. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Boy, what a great joy that was. Got to chapter number 8. I love this. Verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you, I was reading the, the Bible this week and about had a shout fit right there. Nobody around. Everybody would have thought I was crazy. But I got to reading some of this, and man, it was just so amazing. And uh, the kind of God that we have and the kind of Savior that we have. And as a Christian, I hope we don't ever get over it. I really, I, I hope we get excited about our Savior I hope we get excited about what He's done, not only for us, but for all of those that are uh, acquaintances and friends and even strangers to us. That we get so excited about it that we cannot help but go around and tell people about it. Several years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, Brother Wayne Corfman, and his wife had passed away a number of years before. And I was sitting in his apartment talking one night. He teared up after we had spent some time talking about Miss Catherine. And he said, you know, Brother Greg, we never are embarrassed to talk about the ones we love. And he said, why is it that we are so embarrassed sometimes to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ? We are never embarrassed to talk about the ones we love. And uh, I just that's not even the message this morning. I just wanted to share that with you. Those were things that were a blessing to my heart. They stirred me this week. And uh, I like getting stirred every once in a while. God just doing something and... Uh, Cheering you up and encouraging you in some things. All right, Second Chronicles chapter seven, <clears throat> and we're going to look at a very familiar passage of scripture. And uh, I, I was going to give the title of this message because I preached it one other time down in Florida on four steps to revival, which really I think is a better title for this. But in light of uh, recent days, you may want to title the message "What to Do in Times Like These." Uh, either one will work because it all is good. Amen. <laughs> uh, Brother Harold and I sometimes joke around about, uh, he'll send me a verse and he'll say, boy, this is a good one, uh, as if uh, the others are not. But it's really, in God's Word, amazing. Uh, we've been studying it on Wednesday nights, and I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm getting a blessing out of just seeing how God not only inspired, but how He preserved His Word. And I'm so thankful that we have in our hands an accurate 
preserved and inerrant, a verbally inspired in the original language and, and with not even one jot or tittle passing in the preservation of it in our English language. What an amazing thing to hold in our hands, not just a word of God or the thoughts of God, but the very words of God that He intended for us to have. And I'm thankful we have that in our King James Bible here this morning. Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. Jesus, or God says to His people, He says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Lord, we thank You for the time that You have allowed us together this morning. There are people around the world that do not have the luxury of what we're attempting to do here this morning to meet together by way of live stream, by way of even in person in some cases. And so, Lord, we are very grateful for it this morning. We're very fortunate that we live in such a world where there is religious liberty that we can practice freely and openly. Not one person has come to us today and said that we cannot preach the gospel. And so, Lord, we are thankful for that this morning. We're thankful for your great love and kindness to us and the grace that you've given in saving our souls. And Lord, I hope that you'd help us to always be stirred up about it, never to get lazy about it or lax about it or apathetic towards it, but that we would be stirred up afresh and anew and that there would be a great zeal and a great excitement and joy in our hearts daily as we reflect on what you have done for us. I pray that you'll bless the message this morning and Lord, use it to profit us and to be a help to us. You've guaranteed and promised us that your word is profitable to us. And I pray that you would help us to allow, have the guiding and the leading of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, that he will illuminate the truths in the pages of this blessed book to our hearts and our minds. And then, Lord, that we would take heed to it. Use the message this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse number 14, we find a... <clears throat> a uh, four-step uh, process that is given here uh, by God to the nation of Israel. And the results that he says these four steps will have will result in great, great miracles happening. And I want you to see the miracles. We're going to look at the miracles first, and we're going to look at what it takes for God to, to fulfill this promise. But the Bible says this in the latter half of the verse. He says, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin... And will heal their land. Can I tell you that I find in this passage of Scripture four great, or I'm sorry, three great miracles that take place. The first one I find, and I think it's one that we overlook so often in the Christian life, is that God says He will hear us. Have you ever stopped to think about that? We take that so much for granted, don't we? And we do not realize what a miracle it is that the God of heaven, the one that stepped out on nothing and spoke into existence all that is, the one that created the angels, and when they fell, He did not give them the opportunity to repent. He did not allow them to be redeemed. Then He creates man, and when man falls, I don't know why He did it, but for some reason, He gives us the ability to be redeemed. He loves us so much that He came and gives us the opportunity to be saved from our sin. The fact that that God hears us is a miracle. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. The psalmist said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, the sun, or the sun, moon, and stars, he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? 
Job, if you remember the story of Job and uh, how God tested him and allowed Satan to touch his body. And Job asks God why he's going through this. And God begins to ask him a series of questions, not expecting Job to answer. And he said, Job, where was thou when I did this and when I did this and when I did this? Job, where were you? You know what he's trying to tell Job? He's trying to say, listen, i got it all under control. I'm the God of all gods. I'm the one that is the creator of everything that is. And to think that that's the God that hears us. You know, the psalmist prayed and he said, Lord, incline thine ear to me. You know, we understand and know that God hears everything, don't we? What the psalmist was saying is, Lord, I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen to me. When I was a little kid, uh, Jonathan was sitting on my lap and I used to like to play a game with him and he would I'd be focused in on reading something or, or watching something on the television set or, or preoccupied with something in the room <coughs> and he would say, Dad and I wouldn't look at him. And I would say, Yes, Jonathan and he'd be like, Dad and I'd be like, What? Dad And he'd do that three or four times and then a few minutes later he'd come over and before he's even told me anything, he would take his two little hands and he'd put them on my cheeks and he'd turn my face to him to look at him like that. He'd be like, Dad. And what he was saying is, I want your full attention. I want your undivided attention. Isn't it a miracle that God, every time we step into His throne room, that Hebrews chapter 5 says we can come into boldly to the throne of grace, that every time we come into there and we say, Father, immediately He's like, yes. What is it, my son? That's a miracle. That God would hear us. There's very few times that I ever pray that I do not thank Him for hearing us. Because to me, that's a miracle. He doesn't have to. He doesn't owe us. We cannot demand it. There is no, there is no merit on our part that we have any authority to walk into God's throne room and expect Him to hear us or to give us an audience. The fact that he comments in this passage and says, if you'll do these things, I'll hear you. That's a miracle. I want you to notice the second miracle he talks about here. He says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Man, I don't know about you, but I think we so often miss the miracle that God gives in the forgiveness of sin. Take your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. I think it's in Matthew 9. Let's make sure. Matthew chapter number 9. Let's see. Am I in the right place? Yes, I am. Okay. Matthew chapter number 9. Look with me, if you will. Verse number uh, 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, I want to stop and say this for a minute. Uh, the, The very fact that he's doing this on for the sakes of the men who brought him in their faith. He says, Under the sick of the palsy, son be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Man, there's so much to this, isn't there? These these scribes, these 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 religious leaders of the day that thought they were so pious and so religious and so righteous They said that this man blasphemeth. And the reason they said that was they said this man's claiming to be the Son of God. He's claiming to have the authority to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. But can I tell you this? It's only blasphemy if you're not God's Son. 
Jesus was. So he was able to forgive this man's sin. But I want you to notice this in verse number 4. The Bible says this, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts. Now this isn't part of what I'm getting to, but I want you to understand this. God knows our hearts and our thoughts. Lest we think we can get by with anything that nobody has seen us, God knows. The Bible says this, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts, for whether, whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And notice what verse number 7 says, And he arose and departed to his house. Jesus said, It's no more power for me to tell somebody their sins are forgiven than to tell them to rise and walk. And we would look at a, a paralytic man that Jesus walked in and said, I want you to rise and walk. And we would look at that and say, What a miracle! But Jesus said it takes no more power to do that than to do the power of forgiving a man his sins. Can I tell you, when man is forgiven of his sins, we ought to look at that and say, just like we would of a man being healed of the palsy, what a miracle. What a miracle that God would forgive a man his sins. We've mentioned this morning, if you're not saved and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, God loves you so much that He was willing to give His own Son to come and pay the price that you and I owed. And to give it to you freely is a free gift. The forgiveness of sin. What a miracle. Now I want you to notice the third miracle. The Bible says this, and will heal their land. I think there's an awful lot that could be said of this. We're in a day, and I think this certainly is a, a great Scripture to use in the day and time that we're living. But you know, I think that God is more concerned. In fact, I know this is the truth. Matthew chapter 9, the passage we just read, indicates that this is the truth. That God is more concerned with the frailty of our spiritual condition and the infirmity of our spiritual condition than He is about the infirmity of our physical condition. That is not to say that God does not care about our physical. He does. But I'm going to tell you this, that if given the choice between the two, God is far more concerned with the infirmities of our spirit and our hearts than he is about our physical condition. When this passage speaks of healing their land, I believe that this is not just physical. I don't believe it's dealing with just allowing the, the heavens to be opened again. The nation of Israel was going through a drought. They were going through uh, a time of judgment of God upon their land. I don't believe that God is speaking here of just healing the land physically, but that He's speaking of healing the land spiritually as well. That if God is more concerned with the spiritual condition of a man's soul than his physical condition, that while he may affect the physical, he is far more concerned in the spiritual condition of a man. Can I tell you that the third miracle we find here is that God is willing to come in and heal our land. Our, our country, the United States of America, has been far more sick than just in the recent weeks. And you say, Brother Greg, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a spiritual sickness. Our country has been spiritually sick. And the sad thing is that God has given His preachers and His churches the, the balm of Gilead, the Bible says. We're to be a healing factor. The Bible says that we're to be a, a purifying effect on this world. In Matthew chapter 5, He says we are the salt of the earth. If a salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? 
And can I tell you this, that in our lifetime we have seen the spiritual condition of our country lose its savor. We've seen pulpits in America that have lost their savor. We've seen preachers that have lost their savor. We've seen Christians that sit in the pews of our churches lose their savor. And then we wonder why our land is sick. I'm not saying about coronavirus this morning. There's something far more serious wrong with our country than the coronavirus today. And that is the sin-sick souls of men. And we find a third miracle here. That God will heal our land. Boy, these are some great and great promises that God gives to us. These are three great notable miracles that God says, I'll bring, I'll bring these things, but He makes it conditional. And I want us to look at the four steps to revival, or if you want to look at it this way, uh, what we're to do in times like these. He says in verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, he's not speaking to the lost, he's speaking simply of those that are his, shall humble themselves. Can I tell you that we have been guilty here in the United States of America, even in our Christian circles, of a great deal of pride. When I was in college, one of my professors had us do a project that when we were finished with the project, the outcome of it was this, that every sin that we commit has its root in pride. We look at the United States of America, at the wickedness that goes on of people who call good evil and evil good, that turn things upside down. Brother Ron Beckett called me yesterday and said, you know, with this coronavirus, they've had to shut down Planned Parenthood clinics, and they said it's a good possibility that more lives are saved than are lost through this thing. And I thought, boy, what a thought. We have this society that thinks that they know better than God and they come up with their own set of morals. They come up with a better way of running society and they feel like, boy, if we just uh, give everybody let them do what they want to do. The Bible says that's what happened in the day of Noah. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And my Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe we're living in the end times. I believe that we've got to do something to reach people with the gospel before it's too late. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get to a place where we realize that we are nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold your place here for a moment. I wasn't going to do this, but let's take time to do it. we got time. Y'all are sitting at home comfortable this morning, so we can take a little longer if we need to, right? The ones who are sitting here in the auditorium may not be quite so happy about that. But Revelation chapter 3, if you will. I want you to look at this very quickly, if you will. Verse number uh, 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot or cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Here's why he says they're lukewarm. He says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. The greatest downfall of man is to say, I have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. 
You know, in this one verse, verse number 17, we find the difference between how man perceives himself and how God perceives man. We are proud. I mean, we think that we have need of nothing. We think, boy, we have arrived. We put on our nice suits and carry our Bibles to church and have a nice facility to meet in. We take our nice cars and we go home and we're really proud of ourselves that we sat there for an hour and didn't even look at our watch one time while the preacher was preaching. The truth is we have lost what it is to seek God. We've lost our, our vital dependence upon Him. Of realizing that we are nothing without Him. That really and truly we are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked and have need of everything. When we get to a place like that, the Bible says we need to be humbled. And I believe that we live in such a day where even in our houses of God, even in our churches, even in our pulpits, if we're not careful, we will have a generation and a society of people who consider themselves to be in need of nothing. We don't need to be stirred again. We, we don't need to go to the revival services this week. We don't need to go three times a week, Pastor. One, one service is enough. We don't need all those things. We're, we're good. We're good. God says we need to humble ourselves. And pray. Well, there's been a lot of praying in the last few weeks. I imagine God has heard from some people He's probably hadn't heard from in a long time in the last few weeks. But can I tell you this? No matter how much we pray, we can always pray more. I was talking, I think, to Brother Dan here a few weeks ago, or it might have been Brother, I think, no, I'm sorry, it was Brother Mike Tull, I think, is the one we were talking to. And uh, I'd heard a preacher say years ago, and I wish I could remember who did it. I'd give him credit for it, but it was a great, great statement that said you can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. To tell somebody, boy, I'm praying for you, I wish I could do more, is not a good statement to make because the truth is the greatest thing we can do for someone is to pray for them. Everything else is secondary to praying. After having prayed, now we can go and try to do something more for them. But we can never do more for them until we've prayed for them. We can never do more for our country until we've prayed for it. We can never do more for the lost until we have prayed for them. I understand and I know I came out of some ministries and some situations years ago where uh, the, the urgency was to go, go, go in very little time, praying, praying, praying. And can I tell you this, that the lost will never be reached as effectively as they need to be if we don't spend time in prayer for them. And then he says, and seek my face, and this is one that we can all benefit from, the lost and the saved alike. We're losing our fervency. We're losing the idea of seeking. I uh, Occasionally, as I get older, I get more absent-minded. I forget things. And uh, sometimes I'll be upset about something I can't find. I'll be like, Jonathan, help me find this. He'll be like, Dad, I can't find it. And he'll go sit down. I'll be like, well, then keep looking until we find it. You know, I, I, I want to find this thing because it's lost. And I mean, it's important and I've got to find this thing. And can I tell you this, that when we talk about seeking God, we're not talking about just coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're not talking about just being a member of a church or, or having a few Bibles in your house. 
We're not talking about putting a sign of a cross up in your house somewhere or having a picture of Jesus in your house. We're talking about seeking God. We're talking about putting forth an effort. We're talking about putting a heart, a fervency to it. We live in a day where we are playing church. We're playing Christianity. And we put on our outward appearance and we uh, hobnob around groups of people that we want to think highly of us. And there's very little of seeking God. I don't know about you, but I want these great, great miracles that God has promised. But God says they're conditional. You know, revival doesn't start for us to pray that everybody else get their heart right with Him. Revival will begin when we begin to pray, Lord, help me get my heart right. Help me to seek for You. And then notice this. He says, fourthly, turn from your wicked ways. Pretty direct, I think. Not a whole lot left that can be said about that. Other than this, we all have wicked ways in us. And if you can't find it, I know a remedy for that. The psalmist knew it. He said, search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. And can I tell you this? It's a prayer we ought to pray regular. But I'm going to forewarn you, it's a prayer that I promise you every time we pray, God will show it. And those are the things that we've got to say. I'm not going to just know it's there and justify it. I'm not just going to have this wicked thing that is in my life that I know I need to get victory over and just coddle it and keep it there. I'm going to do away with it. See, there's a lot of people in this world today that know the things that are in their life that are wrong. Modern philosophy has taught us that the biggest step is that you admit that you have a problem. Can I tell you this? According to God, the biggest step is... Not to know that you have a problem, not to admit that you have the problem, but to do away with the problem. We've learned and taught a society of people that if you'll just admit that you have the problem, it's okay. You can just keep on going as long as you admit to it. Can I tell you this? Not only do we need to admit to it, we need to get, get rid of it. Not only do we need to confess it to God, we need to turn it out of our lives. And so God gives us four things to do. And He says, if you'll do these four things... I'll allow three notable miracles to happen. And I don't know about you, but I'd love to have those three miracles, wouldn't you? To let God hear me. You know, the Bible says, the psalmist said this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There are times that we allow our lives to get in such a shambles and our relationship with God to be so broken that even when we come to God, He turns from us. says, Not until you get things right. When I was a kid, if I ever did something to uh, break the fellowship with my parents, maybe I did something wrong, deserved the punishment. If my will and my spirit was belligerent and unrepentant, and I, I snarled my face at my mom and dad, there was no way I was going to go ask them for something and they were going to give it to me. But if I came to them and I said, Dad, Mom, I'm sorry. 
I am truly sorry. I know it hurts you. And I will do my best not to ever do that again. And that relationship is restored. Well, I could ask mom and dad an awful lot of things and they'd sure give it to me. I tell you, our Savior is the same way. There are things in our lives that we need to deal with in order for Him to hear us. There are things in our lives that we need to deal with in order for Him to be willing to forgive us of our sin. There are things in our life that we need to deal with that will allow Him to heal our land. I would hope and pray that we would pray for all of these things in our life and that we would find these these conditions something that we refer to regularly and say, Lord, if you will just show me these things, I will get them right. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word, what it teaches, how it instructs and guides and directs. And Lord, a message this morning that really is applicable to the things even our country is going through, but Lord, far more important than the physical aspect of what our nation is facing. Lord, I am broken with the spiritual condition of our nation. And I hope and pray that you would help us to remain broken and praying for these things. And that your people will stand up and hold to these conditions so that those promises that you have offered to us will be able to be fulfilled. Dismiss us now with your blessings. We thank you so much for the time that you've allowed us to be together by way of streaming, by way of the Internet, and even in person. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you.